Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, rounding up the best of Bailiwick Sport every Thursday. Uh, Coming up this week, ahead of a massive week of rugby on Ireland, we'll hear from the brothers who've been lighting up Foots Lane in recent times, Raiders pair Anthony and Matt Armstrong. Uh, We'll also reflect on the moments of the last week and look ahead to what else is coming up over the next seven days. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr and alongside me is Rob Batiste. Hello, Tony. Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingle. Hi, Tony. Our very own marathon star, Jamie Ingle. (laughs) Um, And we've got to start with the Guernsey Marathon. Um, Rob and I were out on Sunday uh, racing around the island, covering it. Uh, But Jamie, you were actually, uh, you were racing around the island on the roads, running it. Um, Two hours, 52. I think I've got it right. Yes. Fourth place finish. So congratulations. A fantastic effort. Thank you. Uh, How are you feeling now? (laughs) Legs are pretty tired. (laughs) It was spectacular, Tony. Let's get straight to the the point. Jamie Jamie was absolutely outstanding in terms of his performance, really gutsy performance. And when he crossed the finish line, it was even more outstanding. (laughs) Yeah, Rob and I were at the finish to see you come in, Jamie. Uh, An explosive ending uh, to the race. I think they're still hosing down the South Esplanade as we speak. can we, can we call it a refueling malfunction? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. sorry about everyone that had to witness that. Uh, yeah, I was really happy with my time and I think I gave pretty much all <laughs> that I could. But I did have a few fueling issues on course and I was, that fuel ended up back up at the finish line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't blame you. It shows of thing you put the effort in, Jamie. That proves it. Yeah, it? exactly. It's the sort of thing you normally see at North Plantation on a Saturday night, uh, not South Esplanade on a Sunday I morning. I wouldn't know about those sorts of things, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that aside, a fantastic event. Really liked having the local support along. Um, Sometimes it was a blessing and a curse. I got a bit excited and nervous at the start. Ended up charging up Valtateres 30 seconds faster than planned. And that's the sort of distance where you really do not want to go off too fast and blow up. But thankfully, it came together again. I sort of relaxed, let a group catch me. We had a nice eight or so miles together, enjoying some banter along the West Coast. Uh, we ended up going our separate ways, and it was sort of a good five-way race for third place. But in the end, I ended up getting fourth. So, yeah. No, it was an incredible effort. Uh, as you say, you started uh, with the Val de Terre climb, the new uh, marathon course. I mean, it, just, it moved slightly round from where it was by the Slaughterhouse last year um, to Havilet uh, this year. And yeah, straight up the Val de Terre. And Will Bodkin, uh, the eventual winner, uh, yeah, was, was sort of uh, almost flat out straight up there. He left everyone in his wake. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite a start to a race. It was. Yeah. We're not kidding when we say straight up Val de Terre. It's like, I think previous years you would have had... Over a quarter of a mile to build up. This year it was within 100 metres. Out at the front of the race, um, Will Bodkin, um, as we say, he went on to win, uh, was sort of uh, kept company, shall we say, by uh, Sage Pierce Higgins, a UK runner, um, for at least the first sort of half, three quarters of the race before uh, he dropped him and, uh, and came through to win in a pretty decent time. I mean, what, what did you make of, of his performance? I think, yeah, averaging sub six minute miles, which would be 237, is pretty impressive over a marathon distance. Uh, Will did 235. I think as he becomes more familiar with the distance, he can definitely trim quite a lot of that off that. But for a marathon debut, I think that's very solid. Yeah, really impressive. Vicky Carey taking the uh, women's win uh, just a couple of weeks after uh, running in London. So that was pretty impressive. Rob, what did you make overall of what was on show on Sunday? Well, I was glad to see that it was actually a race for at least half half of the distance. You know, you know, we some of us feared that perhaps Will Bodkin would head off the distance, get to the top of Val de Tears and was gone, and nobody would see him again, and it would be a very lonely race for him. Um, and, and for us trying to cover the cover the event at the, at the head of the race, um, but no, he had this 
mysteriously mysterious English guy with him for quite some time. It did take us a while to work out who he was, but we had heard that Patrick Ogier's mate from the UK was over, and he was a very good runner, and he could run, you know, in that sort of region and that sort of time. So um, it was good to see that there was a you know bit of a some competition for Will, and um, I think it did him the world a good to have somebody with him for you know for a significant significant period. But you could see by a long halfway along Varsal that you know the elastic between the two of them was beginning to stretch, and it was it was no great surprise. Then shortly after that, Will just forged ahead, as he said, he was seen to be making a little bit of ground on the inclines. Where Sage was, you know, picking up on the declines, and um, but no, it was it was a good event. Um, it, it'd be good to see that you know um, it grow in the future years with, you know, in a non-pandemic times. But um, no, it was Will's, you know, good good runner all across the board, and it's just great to see him be rewarded by a, a decent time. And what would it take to to grow the event in terms of stature and performance? Is it is it prize money? Is that the thing that it helps. ultimately will get people over? <laughs> <laughs> Money makes the world go around, Tony. Uh, I think we know that. And I think, um, you know, it, you've got to advertise it, of course, but certainly, you know. Um, but we do need a clean bill of health, just generally, I think, you know. Um, people can be secure that they can plan for a Guernsey event knowing it's going to happen. But, and obviously, it's not, we're not in that position at the moment are we i think we kind of beat jersey on in a certain regard this year because their men's and women's winning times were significantly faster and it seemed to be quite a bit more competitive and jersey does actually have prize money and did give quite a lot to the winner i won't say exactly how much whereas we didn't but i think yeah if we get a headline sponsor and, and you mean they ran all that distance for nothing <laughs> <laughs> not a penny wow yeah as you say i mean that's quite impressive and two domestic runners as well so um well, surely yeah, surely going ahead though i mean they will have to change that don't they if they want to encourage a lot more people to make the event attractive i mean you can't continue surely just being purely domestic marathon race with relays attached to it mm. i mean that is their intention obviously starting up around the times of covid is not the easiest time to get going no i will say i thought it was really well organized um, right across the board it looked like an event at the start and finish point it was really you know well set up the marshalling out in the course was superb the civil defense seemed to be everywhere <laughs> 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 and, uh, you know, whereas in the past where um, there have been some problems in that in that respect in, in the past and occasion. So it's good to see everybody was safe and sound on the course. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I thought moving the start finish around the corner because it was quite compact last year. and it, You sort of couldn't really quite see the backdrop. But um, yeah, it it's impressive. almost a bit of a tunnel down there, yeah. isn't it? At the back of the slaughterhouse. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. It was far more open and appealing well yeah i think that was uh you know most of our picks of the week really rolled into one certainly was for you i'm sure jamie uh gareth have you got a, a stand-up moment of the week um well certainly the best um part of my week tony was um recording the the Siam cup podcast special which we got coming out um, i believe on this weekend with um three larger than life characters who um who have all won the Siam for guernsey in their day uh jock Kanell, dave mcgall and leighton batty's um 
It was it was um, a nice evening at Foots Lane where you you heard some of their stories. You get the impression that there's a lot of stories they can't really relate on a, on what would be a family show. But uh, it was certainly um, it was great to hear hear um, just what it was like to be involved in sort of playing the side. I mean, obviously I've enjoyed watching many and, and reporting on many um, so far. But um, I'd I'd love to just get what it'd be like to be out on the field as well. Um, but I certainly enjoyed talking to, to Dave about his uh, little tete-a-tete with uh, Matt Banahan, which is um, which went viral a few years ago when <laughs> it was related in the national media that um, if you basically Googled Matt Banahan and Siam Cup, you, you see a bit of a punch-up <laughs> foot slain, um, which Dave McGall's right in the middle of. But uh, no, that is really great fun recording that, and uh, I hope people enjoy it when it comes out. Yeah, it should be out Sunday, so keep an ear out. And um, yeah, we have plenty of rugby chat over the next week, because it is, as I say, a massive couple of weeks for rugby we're going to be speaking to the Armstrongs in a minute um, and then of course looking forward to the Sam Cup next week uh, just one thing I wanted to mention um, which is on the back page of the paper today uh, news that Tobin Horton is uh, interested in making a return to the Guernsey team for Guernsey 2023 which is uh, which is pretty cool and actually uh, for me I think it's, it's probably the first little bit we've seen in terms of sort of people already looking ahead to, to two years time uh, and yeah got me wondering yeah you know, if you've got someone like Tobin, obviously a former professional um, who's achieved so much for Guernsey sport down the years, um, you know, sort of wanting to be there and wanting to be involved. Just sort of thinking about, yeah, who else is there out there who's got one eye on it? Well, yeah, I don't know who's going to, who else is going to put the name for, but I mean, I know for a fact how much Tobin just loves being part of the Island Games. I mean, I've, I've seen him win gold medals. I think we've all seen him win gold medals in sort of Criterium and Road Race or whatever. But I still remember sort of being at the, I think it was the Jersey Island Games of 2015. He wasn't part of the team and I didn't even know he was there. And then I went to the Criterium and I see him sort of basically being the Guernsey team's water boy. He was sort of just there handing out bottles and what have you. And um, yeah, it, it it didn't really surprise me to find out that he's sort of like shown a bit of interest in perhaps competing. Obviously, um, uh, he's, he's based elsewhere these days, but his family's still here and... Um, I'm sure he'd love to come back and be part of uh, what you'd imagine would be quite a successful side. Yeah, I look forward to seeing yeah, it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of star names from the recent past who have probably sort of were planning to retire, continue continue for a short while yet, or perhaps even actually come back into action. I think there's a few, one or two athletes, you know, it's not beyond the run's possibility. I suppose we might see something like Lee Merrion even appear, or Tom Druce or Dale Garland. And um, and I think on the football side of things, there might be, you know, one or two of the old players who are struggling a bit now with injuries. They'll probably be thinking, hmm, I might try to play for one, one more season and get a, a place in a home Island Games football tournament because it will be, I'm sure it'll be a big thrill f- for the footballers because they'll be playing in front of packed houses um, every single game as they were in 2003. You know, when they were based at the Corbett Field and the Corbett Field's never seen anything like it before or since. Um, so, yeah, I think it's um, there'll be a, a clamour for positions acro- right across the board. I don't think Tobin Horton will be the last one. Yeah, exciting uh, prospect. Uh, yeah, the build-up has begun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's leave it there for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking rugby with Matt and Anthony Armstrong. 
Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Uh, as we said at the top, it is a massive couple of weeks ahead for rugby in the island. Red Ruth coming to Foots Lane on Saturday uh, in National 2 to take on the leaders of that division, Guernsey Raiders. And then uh, just a week later, the Siam Cup will be uh, under the lights, um, a five o'clock kickoff a week on Saturday. So yeah, it's going to be a massive uh, couple of days down at Foots Lane. And uh, to look ahead to that and, and talk about their rugby careers uh, so far, delighted to say we're joined by Anthony and Matt Armstrong. Welcome to the pod. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Great to see you guys. Uh, things definitely going pretty well at the moment. Uh, yeah, after making that return to National 2 this season. Um, yeah, just give us a, a sense of the, of the feeling in the squad then, Anthony, uh, uh, after coming back into this division and doing so well. Yeah, probably a bit surprised to be how, like, how well we've been doing. Last time it was very difficult, but to be sitting top of the table halfway to Christmas is it's sort of amazing. Um, but we're enjoying it. We're sort of slowly building up, feeling our way in, and yeah, hopefully continues as it's been going. I mean, yeah, how, how have the sort of training sessions uh, and the sort of briefings evolved over the course of the last few weeks then? Because I guess a bit of uncertainty coming into it, the fact that you hadn't had the pre-season that perhaps other teams had had. Um, uh, is it now a case of sort of tempering expectations in, in each of those sessions? No, I don't think so. Um, I think we know where we want to be and where we could be. There's a lot of potential in the squad, um, but a lot of work to do, and that's something we've definitely been reinforcing over the, the past few weeks. Yeah, and how are you finding things, Matt? Um, things going really well. It must be a, a great squad set up to be a part of at the moment. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's especially with like the new boys coming in and all the recruiting that Jordy's done over the last kind of two years, three years or so. It's actually quite nice. I think that's the issue they had last time they were in that too was kind of the depth and the struggle struggle there. So I think having a lot of these extra new boys is kind of it's really kind of given a boost to the squad in terms of kind of new blood and also in terms of competition. So it's kind of helped ourselves push ourselves even further, which I think is something we could definitely kind of needed coming into this division with the extra struggle. Yeah. Uh, yeah and obviously for you, Anthony, uh, you didn't get to see much of Nat too last time. No, no, I spent most of it on the sideline, unfortunately. Um, yeah, made a glass a couple of years ago, but hopefully, well, it's definitely been going a bit better this time and hopefully can stay, stay fit and healthy. Considering how sort of the last, the first time at National 2 went, um, obviously we struggled a lot with injuries that time throughout the whole squad. Um, but, I mean, how much sort of learning from that uh, experience did, did the squad take, which has now sort of been, been put to use in being top this time around? I think it was definitely an invaluable experience. Um, and there's still a good core of guys there who, who went through that. Yeah. It's... One of the biggest steps up, probably, in terms of the pyramid, um, in terms of physicality, the speed. So we knew what we were coming into this time and and where we needed to be, which was uh, was definitely very helpful. Yeah, yeah. I think defensively as well, it was something we kind of looked at a lot at the start of the season. Was just kind of in that three, if you make a mistake, you could kind of get away with it. But in that two, something Jordy's always pushed on us is if you make a mistake, they're just going to punish you immediately. So that's something we kind of focused on and kind of looked towards that transition from D to attack a lot as well this season. Obviously, the last couple of wins have been particularly tight. <laughs> um, is that just a case of sort of like winning becoming a habit and just being able to find a way of getting over the line? Oh, I don't know. We're just a good spectators team. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, um, I don't know. I think it's just... A couple of times we were really slow to get started and uh, all the boys were, I think we come in at half time and Georgie basically tells us that we should be winning this game. We're, we're kind of, we're almost there and it's a case of just, I think it's a somewhat of a mental barrier, I think with some some of us, but I think slowly or surely when we get into the game, we kind of get over that and eventually bring ourselves back into it, fortunately. <laughs> 
it's good good to see us grinding out those wins because in the past we might have we probably been on the wrong side. I think there was quite a number of games where we were within the score last time we were in that too, but this time we're actually converting and getting those points on the board, which is great to see. How strange was it sort of last home game not having Geordie on the sideline? <laughs> he had to miss that one because he was in isolation and it just seemed like a whole different day. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, a bit different. A bit but more Barno, relaxing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Barno came in and sort of channeled his inner Geordie and gave us the kick, <laughs> kick that we needed at half time. So uh, it wasn't much change there, I don't think. I think, you know, yeah, and Geordie prepared as well as well throughout the week. So kind of had him throughout the week and then it just wasn't game, game day, he wasn't quite there. So... I don't know, he's always, always there in spirit, always kind of gets us ready for it, no matter whether he's there or not. No one brave enough to say, you know, Geordie actually, uh, yeah, <laughs> do, do the week stuff, but you leave the weekends. <laughs> the great thing about Geordie dealing with him is you sort of like won the last seven games. You talk to him about the whole season so far, he'll always talk about the Worthing game <laughs> and how the first half didn't go to plan and how actually you should probably be eight out, out of eight. It's sort of like that come across in all his training sessions. I think it's something we always talk about. It's kind of the one that got away. Yeah. In a way, it was... I think it was more just I've, no one's played games for a year and a half. Kind of everyone was new, some new boys in the squad. We haven't hadn't quite gelled yet, and it kind of I think that gave us that kick of going. Actually, this is we've I think we've, we can definitely compete at this level, and think kind of losing has actually somewhat benefited us throughout the season. As we say, obviously this weekend Red Ruth coming to town um, looks like one of the biggest games of the season in the league. Um, to then have uh, the Sam Cup a week later sort of parachuted into the middle of, of such a success, what, what's turning into a successful campaign or looking like it could be a very successful campaign. How much of uh, distraction or could that prove to be ultimately? I mean, uh, presumably you'll be throwing yourselves into that game as, as strongly as you would any other Sam. Yeah, definitely. I think it's perfect warm up. I mean, last time we won the Sam, we went. It was the promotion weekend the week before, and that was the perfect preparation in terms of big game, physical, um, had to had to win. So I think this is a perfect combination of games going into a Simon couple of weeks' time. For, uh, for us, sort of like when the fixtures come out, Red Roof's always quite a big one to look at because they are sort of like one of the heavyweights at our level. I mean, is that something the players feel when Red Roof's sort of just around the corner? I think we definitely know not to underestimate them. We know it's going to be a very tough and kind of difficult game, um, uh, but we're kind of preparing well for it. We know they've got very kind of strong, big pack. So that's kind of one of our focuses a lot this week and kind of through our team reviews, we're trying to look at ways we can break them down, but we kind of treat this as, well, I know Geordie hates the cliches, but like, yeah, treat <laughs> it as a, any other game and just kind of take as it comes and see which ways we can exploit them. So much for the rugby, um, but tell us about the Armstrong boys and your relationship. Who's the outward-going one and the in, the shy one? Is it or is there a shy one in the in the family? Uh, the party one is definitely the uh, this yeah. one here, Matthew. Um, <laughs> a bit more outgoing, whereas I'm probably a bit more reserved. And uh, you have to keep him on the straight and narrow on, on on nights. I think Mum and Dad would say you're more sensible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, yeah. So what is the age difference between the two of you? So I'm 23 and you're... 27, so four years. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, so you've got, we, and you've got a little, a big little brother back in Jersey, is it? Yeah, so he's 15, so he's, uh, he's going to be tall as well. Yeah. Um, loving his rugby, doing really well. I think he should outshine both of us, really. Yeah, in a few so. years' time. <laughs> <laughs> hope, what position not. does he play? Um, he's, I think he's... He's starting centre at the moment as well, so he's kind of following in the back, luckily, fortunately. But uh, yeah, I think he's uh, kind of jottles about the place at the moment. So 
I'm sure you don't really get that at that age, though, do you? When you're 15, you kind of don't quite solidify until you're about 17, 16, 17, do you? So, Is there any chance we can pinch him? <laughs> We've got two of the three. <laughs> <laughs> We're greedy, you know. Well, by the time he's 18, I'm going to be 30, so maybe, maybe I get a chance to play with him. Um, but we'll wait and see what he, he wants to do. Yeah, um, that's true. He's um, played for Jersey in the, the uh, academy there, so you might have a bit of difficulty trying to bring him across at the moment. But... <laughs> Always good, a bit of an inter-family rivalry. Yeah, it could be some interesting conversations around the dinner table as you get a little bit older then. I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, whenever they come over, they're obviously wearing green. Yeah, they, um, he is as going to top that he puts on whenever we're playing. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he swiftly takes it off when they're getting on and playing home. But uh, no, it's good. Was it ever an, a temptation for either of you to move down to Jersey with your parents when your father moved on with his, with his job? I mean, for me, um, I was back during the summers here whilst I was living in Guernsey. Um, so I developed some sort of connections and networks that made finding a job here really easy. Um, and a big factor in coming across was the rugby. I sort of spent a bit of time and it was an environment that I really wanted to be a part of and somewhere that I really enjoyed sort of getting involved in. So it was a no-brainer to come to Guernsey spend a few years here and see what happens. And you, Matthew? Well, I, I obviously came to school here, so I did sixth form at Elizabeth College and then um, did the academy here. So went to university three years and then came back and I was like, well, although I'd like to have free meals from mum and dad, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it's kind of the best setup would be here. Kind of I was involved in rugby, kind of had quite good connections with like work opportunities. So I thought if I've set up this well, it'd be a great place to start, take away a bit of that stress. So obviously moving to a new place when you've got to start a new job, start rugby can be quite overwhelming so it kind of just made things a little bit easier will they be over to watch the Siam next week yep already booked got the flights hotel ready so they're looking forward to getting across yeah. and who will they be supporting oh Guernsey <laughs> definitely <laughs> <laughs> they should be otherwise <laughs> and uh Rob wrote a little piece the other week talking about the uh, the finest sights in Guernsey sport at the moment. <laughs> you know where I'm going with it. And since then, he hasn't scored a try. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay you later for that. that, was, that was yeah, nice. if you missed it, uh, yeah, you picked out Anthony as well, in full flight as one of the finest sights. Matt, Matt, what was that like to read? That was fine. You know, I, I, parents were over that weekend, so I just kind of showed it to them and we all had a nice little laugh together. So, <laughs> all at your expense, I think. I've been living off that a couple of weeks, reminding yeah. you. But every am, am of I right in thinking you, you don't get anywhere near the same amount of space in this division than you would have had previously? Yeah. Because I was sort of, sort of thinking back pre COVID and that three, you know, or London South East as it was, and you, you scored some spectacular tries, but. Um, yeah, you don't quite get so many chances. Defences are so much better at this this level and quicker to get across and and uh, close you down. Um, and people have the benefit of reviewing footage in not in sort of slightly different way to Nat Three, where it's really widely available now in Nat Two. Um, so people know what's what's coming to a certain extent. Um, but it's it's all about working that space, finding that space, and sort of really. Work, uh, plan that, having that game plan, um, you can't really just sling it about and hope for the best, as you sometimes could do against those lesser sides in that three. I've come from a bit of an athletic background. I often thought Anthony Armstrong could make a good 400-metre runner. Did he ever do any athletics training? I did do a bit when I was at school, um, and the 400 was the one I got in, involved in a bit, but it was it's a tough race. Uh, painful, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I sort of gave that up for the slightly shorter distances we run. 
run for on the rugby pitch. And talking of fitness, I mean, when a few years back when you first came into the team, you did have problems, obviously, with your shoulders and one of you. You're quite demonstrably bigger these days. I mean, how much work have you had to put into that sort of to make yourself capable of playing at this level? Well, I found a few extra kilos during during lockdown, thanks to uh, <laughs> chocolate covered hobnobs. But uh, <laughs> um, it was a conscious decision over the summer to try and get a few extra kilos um, and just make myself a bit more robust and because um, I have had those injury issues in the past and I don't want it limiting my game time going into this year, especially with the increased physicality. Um, and it's, I can feel it anyway uh, this year, both in terms of in contact area and it's uh, lugging a few extra kilos around the park can sometimes be a bit more difficult, but hopefully it pans out. Yeah, and, and Matt, it's so great to see uh, Guernsey Raiders up in National 2 doing so well. Obviously, you know, it's a higher level of rugby as we've seen in Guernsey before. Um, but, you know, as somebody who's a couple of years younger and have come through that academy setup, how much more difficult is it going to be at this level for, for young players to come out of school and, and you know, and, and make that transition? Uh, I think it can be a lot more difficult, especially if you, you can't really go straight from Colts to go straight into a first team game. But I think that's really... I think the kind of the system we've got at the moment with Vikings, I think, is really useful because you've got. So, if you say looking at people who come through academy, you've got uh, Dom Rice, Dan Rice, uh, myself, um, and you look in the the team below. You've got Gladstone, you've got uh, Reese Jersey, people like that. They have that kind of nice setup. So, I think in terms of coming through the academy, you still kind of got that pathway. It would be more difficult to go straight into, let's say, playing Red Roof if on the weekend. It would be a bit kind of thrown out of the deep end, but. Uh, <laughs> I think with the Vikings set up below us, I think it kind of is really useful because we run the same systems and it kind of gives you the opportunity to work with the boys. We train together as well. So I think that kind of works out quite well. Um, you talked before about sort of Geordie's recruitment and what have you. Obviously, this season so far, we've seen guys like Ethan Smith come in and make a big impact. Uh, you also say about sort of gelling with those. How long do you think it sort of takes to get sort of combination like that? I mean, you play alongside Ethan at the moment. so I think it takes probably a few games. Um, Obviously, because we've got uh, in the centres specifically, we've got Ethan and Kieran. They're both kind of both very, very good players, and they both kind of play in different ways. So when I was sat outside them, I found the Ethan's a little quicker off the mark because <laughs> he's absolutely rapid. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, they both kind of run differently. So it took me a few games, I think, personally, to kind of understand how someone else plays as well. But I think it's starting to work now. We're kind of we're still going. We're not in no no cat fights at the moment in the middle of the park. So we're doing, <laughs> we're doing pretty well. It's been a bit unfortunate because we haven't seen sort of Kieran sort of over here much. He played the first couple of away games and then got injured. So, um, are you going to be fighting for your place once they're all back <laughs> firing? <laughs> well, uh, well, hopefully, I will be fighting for, for your place. Um, definitely, I think it's because they're but they're both very top quality players. And uh, with Tom Teasdale as well coming back, probably maybe after Christmas because he's of his surgery and stuff. I think it's quite good. It kind of helps to kind of push me and also push everyone else around but also make sure that I don't get complacent in any way, shape or form. So yeah, I'm quite enjoying it. There's <laughs> clearly competition right across the team, isn't it? In every position now. Yeah, everywhere. It's great to see. Um, really pushing the boys on. Is Jordan one for reminding everybody of that? <laughs> I don't think, all, I don't think all... it needs to remind us. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think we're all quite aware. Um, I mean, if you look across the past few games and the people who've been on the bench and the depth we have there, it's, it's incredible to think compared to a couple of years ago. Um, and boys know that if they're not performing or putting the work in, then these people right behind them ready to step up and take their chance. So 
there's no no slacking. A little joke Jordan and I often have is when he talks about people come to the island, he just wishes somebody six foot eight would turn up to be in the second row. And I say, yeah, it always makes me laugh that when you sort of come out to play a game, the two Armstrong boys are the tallest in the side and they're playing at the back. I mean, did, he ever try, did anyone ever try to convert you to a sort of second row or forwards? I won't be playing rugby if I'm in second row. <laughs> I can tell you that. I'll be giving it up long before I go that far forward. No, I used to be when I was younger and put me in a second row and I hated it. So, uh, unfortunately, I moved out wide. We have recruited another tall ginger, though, to play in the second row. Hugo, in Hugo, so... He's a big lad. He's a very big lad. Um, so, hopefully, he puts a string of games together now and really start to see what he's, what he's about and what he's got. Yeah, so when I was speaking to Jordan today, I did sort of say, "What two? can you give me anything behind the two Armstrongs? He, he was very complimentary, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Always good to hear. The, the first thing he said was, he, he said, um, both are huge parts of the DNA of what he thinks Raiders should be, basically. He sort of said that. But um, it, it, I thought the best thing he said was, as unorthodox as they are, it makes them unique in what they bring to our squad. So obviously, <laughs> you bring a different dimension to what um, perhaps other sides have to offer, I suppose, out the back. So well, we're quite tall. I like, like to back ourselves with the pace as well, so I think it's very, it's very nice of him. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of helps. We both kind of play together. We both kind of enjoy how we play. We both, I think, we both work hard um, in terms of what we do, and that's what Jordy always tries to push for: is kind of making sure everyone on the field where he expects one hundred percent, expects nothing less. So I think we both try to at least reach for that so if you're saying that we're obviously not doing too bad <laughs> I think he also wants either of you to wear a hat during training so he said it can be quite difficult to tell you apart <laughs> at a distance <laughs> it's, it's fortunate I wear caps during all my warm-ups it's my superstition so high the receding hairline isn't it <laughs> yeah that's, 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 Oh, it's uh, been great to have you here. Uh, yeah, awesome to hear you guys enjoying your rugby so much. I know everyone enjoys uh, watching you in the uh, stand at Foots Lane. So uh, best of luck for the game against Red Ruth and for the Sion. Cheers, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Anthony and Matt Armstrong there speaking to us. Um, yeah, big couple of weeks ahead down at Foots Lane. Red Ruth on Saturday and then uh, just the Syme Cup, uh, the, the weekend after, <laughs> dropped, parachuted right into the middle of uh, an epic season already, or what's turning into an epic season for Guernsey Raiders already. Um, yeah, a lot of excitement around here. It does feel strange that there's a Syme Cup coming up in November, I must admit. I haven't quite got my head around that one yet. But yeah, um, Red Ruth this weekend is it's a massive... Red Ruth are, are sort of like one of the, the heavyweights at our level. And um, just, to, just to welcome them to Foots Lane is sort of quite a, a big thing in itself. But when, when we're welcoming them as when we're top of the league, that just makes it, it gives it that bit of extra oomph behind it, I find. You promised to be another close one. Didn't they beat us by a point, just a single point, three years ago? They beat us by a point um, when, yeah, when the first time we were in National 2. And uh, if memory serves me correctly, it was a pretty horrendous day weather-wise. Um, I know, having spoken to Jordan Reynolds this morning, that he... He, he said uh, better weather would suit us. He, I know the forecast is very iffy as to whether showers will hit us or not, but he, he'd like it to be dry, um, in which case um, we'd perhaps have a, an edge. But, um, yeah, Red Ruth are bound to be a very strong side. A couple of guys have gone down with injuries as well in the last couple of weeks. How much would or might that derail uh, the, the Raiders' train? It, um <laughs> The news was fairly positive in terms of how long the injuries uh, will keep them sidelined. Um, without wanting to give too much away, um, certainly Tom Seelham got injured last week. 
Um, I sort of put it to Jordan, is he fit for this weekend? And he said, if you ask Tom Seelan if he's able to play this weekend, it'll be a definite yes. He's a, um, bit, he's a bit, he's rugby's answer to Craig Young, isn't he? He's a bit like he the, is, um, yeah. the knight in the yeah. Monty Python sketch yeah. where he lop off a yeah. leg and yeah. it doesn't see as much of a problem. Exactly. You know? It is, it's very much like that. And, and Jordan sort of said he will give him a fitness test, but the final decision whether he whether Tom plays against Red Ruth will probably be taken out of Tom's hands because he will want to play. There's no doubt about that. But when you've got a Siam coming up and you've got basically a game every week from now until the 18th of December, I think, they, they don't want to aggravate anything. They, they'd rather Tom miss one week than miss six weeks. So um, they're decisions that will have to be taken um, as it is, because it's a home game, they don't need to actually take those decisions pretty much from probably until about noon on Saturday if, if they want to leave it that late. Um, I wouldn't have thought they will, but um, they have got sort of a bit more leeway because they don't have to declare who's going to be boarding a plane on Saturday morning. So um, they're leaving team selection until pretty much the last minute this week. Hey, I'm looking forward to it very, very much. Um, I always enjoy my trips down to Lane to see some rugby. It really is high-class stuff. I must admit, I'm not as clued up as Gareth is in the, on the rugby front. I'm, what's going on in the pack and around the pack is always a bit of a mystery to me. Um, I always like to see the likes of the Armstrong boys flying down the um, the wing and exciting tries. Um, you know, but it should be a good game. Well, let's hope we get a few of those. Um, and then you're going to be racing up to Blanche PLA for a big Premier League clash. Yeah, and let's hope it's not raining up there as well. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that promises to be a really good match. Um, Saints are. A, short of a few players I gather but we've heard that before they've got a big squad um, I would hope you know that North get something from the game because that will really keep the um, the league bobbling along nicely I think at the moment we've got a three horse race it's no more than that um, Bowles have fallen behind by the wayside already Sylvan's have as well to a certain extent they're missing Kyle Smith but no, North are showing a lot of very good signs and I also hear that they may have a a very good new signing about to um, boost their ranks. More on that to come next week. All right, interesting. Little tease there, yeah, Rob. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't know too much detail at the moment, but apparently potentially very accomplished signings on their way. Oh, very interesting. Well, that, yeah, it's going to be a, a cracking game on Saturday night. GFC back in action again on Sunday as well. Uh, Jamie, what are you up to this weekend? So I'm actually going to the first local boxing show we've had since February 2020. Uh, with COVID, the sport has really been on their ropes due to a need for like specialist officials. <laughs> Very the good, Jamie. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 pun alert. <laughs> That's the standard, folks. <laughs> But yeah, um, anyway, so it's been a 20-month break. It's actually been even longer for our top fighter, Billy LaPolin, who's targeting Commonwealth GameSpot. So it'll be exciting to have him back in action at the top of the bill. Yeah, brilliant. It's going to be a massive night, isn't it, down there? Um, yeah, it, always a great atmosphere, and I'm sure uh, yeah, all of those boxes... It's always loud. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I'm sure, a lot of pent-up energy uh, to expel on Saturday night. And there'll also be a lot of first-timers, from what I hear. Oh, I mean, Rob can tell you about that. Yeah, there's one of the more interesting um, fighters on show, young fighters on show, will be young Finn Walsh, the son, 17-year-old son of Matt Walsh, um, boxing trainer, um, and um, for people who don't know his story, Matt Walsh, back in the 80s, was an England schoolboy international, fought many, many times in national colours and was, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is that probably still the best Guernsey boxer 
um, produced in the last 40 odd years. He really was absolutely brilliant um, technician around the ra- around the ring, and he was coached by his own fa- father Jerry, who was who I believe had boxed for internationally for Northern Ireland um, in the 60s and was a top boxer himself. Um, no, Matt was absolutely brilliant, and you know I've always from that day. Um, day on really I've always sort of always gone to Matt for an opinion on a, on a box and what he thinks because he has got a, an eye for the, the detail in, of boxers you know he's he can see the qualities in boxers which probably the likes of the late you know people like ourselves wouldn't necessarily see um, so be good to see how see what young Finn is about and um, let's hope we have some not only him we wish him all the debutants luck because it must be a big and nervous moment for all these kids going into the ring for the first time. Yeah, particularly after such a long break, not being able to sort of be in that environment and, and you know, perhaps not have seen, um, yeah, seen that kind of level of competition for a little while. Uh, yeah, as you say, echo that. All the best to, to yeah, everyone stepping to into them. the ring on Saturday night. Brave kids. <laughs> Absolutely, well, I wouldn't be doing it, yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks very much, guys. Um, do give us a follow on social media uh, wherever you spend your time online. At GSY Press Sport is the place to go. And uh, yeah, make sure you pick up a paper uh, across the weekend uh, for all the best local sports coverage. Uh, cheers, guys. We'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Tony. Tony.